I want to ask you to go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 14 and keep your place there for just a moment. John chapter 14, and we'll look at verse 27 in a few minutes. As we continue in our series called Road Signs to Finding God's Will. Now last week when we finished the message, I promised you that I would um, share with you this morning some warnings about discerning the Holy Spirit's leading. That's what we talked about last week was the directional sign. And we talked about listening for the Holy Spirit's voice, seeing His leading in your life, and following that leading. But as we finished, I I told you that there were some things that you needed to be aware of, some things that could cause some problems in trying to discern the Holy Spirit's leading and trying to find His direction for your life. And so as we begin this morning, I want to begin there and just uh, run through three of these quickly with you. Some things that uh, I would just call cautions in trying to discern the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, I believe it was two weeks ago I told you that often God leads you through open doors and closed doors. He does not always lead that way, but many times God will open a door and uh, you'll know clearly that that's where you're supposed to go. Often God will close a door and He'll use that to redirect you another way. And I showed you many samples, uh, examples from Scripture about that. But there's, I'm, I'm going to really confuse things now by after having told you that, to tell you that the first thing, the first caution, is just because a door is open doesn't always mean that you should walk through it. And you go, well, thanks a lot. Now I'm totally confused. But I wanted to throw this in because oftentimes we will see what appears to be a great open door, a great opportunity to follow God. Uh, But there will be, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit today, there will just be something nagging at you that that's not the way you're supposed to go. In 2 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but you can, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we see a great example of this in verses 12 and 13. Paul is writing to the church and he says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia. Now this is where your walk with Christ, your ongoing walk with Christ and how you mature with Him will really come into play because you'll learn to be more and more sensitive to, yes, there's a great opportunity and I know I could step through that open door and God could use me there, but is it the right thing? Is there the peace that needs to be there. In this case, Paul said, man, there's a great open door for me, but I had no peace about it. Interesting. Interesting. I told you maybe a couple of weeks ago about the the time that, well, this is a long time ago, uh, before I was married. I think I was 21 or, or somewhere around there. Um, I was sitting in the service just a few minutes before it started, and the pastor slid up beside me in the pew and said, God's told me that you're supposed to be the next youth pastor of this church. Remember I told I think I shared that, didn't I? And uh, and I said, really? He said, yeah, God told me that. 
But you know, when he, and I, I courteously said to him, well, when God tells me, you'll be the first to know. There was, there was an open door for me. I mean, he was throwing the door wide open, saying, come on in. But there was, there was no peace at all about that. There was just this, you know, it's hard to describe, but there was just this nagging sense that that's not what God wanted me to do. So I just wanted to share this first point with you today, that just because there's an opening doesn't mean that's where God wants you to go. You've got to really use discernment and ask God to lead you and guide you. And this peace issue is, is what we're going to talk about today. Well, the second caution I wanted to give you as a help to you is that the Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to God's Word. The Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to God's Word. John 16:13 says, Jesus said, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. How many times uh, have you wanted to do something and tried your best to make it look like the Holy Spirit was guiding you to do that, but you couldn't line it up with God's Word? Well, let me ask you this. Let me just throw out something and see how we would handle this. Let's say that a good friend of yours came to you, a guy who's in the church, and uh, he said to you, God has called me to leave my wife and move to Las Vegas and marry a showgirl and begin a ministry in Las Vegas. There's a great opportunity there. Well, we joke about that, and I'm using an extreme example to try to make a case. What would you say? You'd say what? Uh Uh-uh. Why? Why? Because you think it's a bad idea? It's what? It's not scriptural. It's exactly right. You see, even if someone says, no, God has called me to do this or that, I want to tell you, church, if it doesn't line up with God's Word, it's not God calling you. God will never call you or ask you to do anything that contradicts His Word. Isn't it great that we have God's Word as an anchor that we can always go to turn to uh, for, for solid answers that never change. God's Word doesn't change when the times change. His Word is the same and He will never lead you contrary to His Word. The third thing, very quickly, and this is what we're going to talk about today, is that if there's no peace, don't proceed. I don't know how, how I can say that any simpler to try to help you grasp that in in just a nutshell form. If there's no peace, don't proceed. If you're about to make a decision, if you're about to make a turn in your life and, and go somewhere and there's just that sense inside that everything is not completely at rest, you need to wait. And I would encourage you to do that. So those are just three quick things as we begin to to caution you about following the Holy Spirit's leading. Now, as we get into the message today, the sign that we're going to look at is the rest area sign. And we're going to talk about peace. Peace. You have your Bibles open to John 14, 27. 
Let me set the context very quickly for this verse. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed. This is hours before He was betrayed, the night before He was crucified. He's with His disciples. He's leaving last-minute instructions with them, giving them words of comfort before He goes. He knows that they're going to be torn to pieces when they see Him beaten and crucified and killed. And so He's leaving with them if you will, the last things that he wants to tell them. That's the context of this verse. In John 14, 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I want to read one more verse for you. You don't have to turn there, but you can jot it down in your notes. Isaiah 26, verse 3. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Peace. I remember when I was uh, probably about 12 years old, I saw an old movie. I don't remember what the name of it was. Uh, I don't even remember the plot of the whole movie, except I remember at the end of the movie, they discovered a bomb on a ship or a submarine, one or the other. There was a bunch of people out on the water in a ship or a submarine, and they found a bomb. And, of course, they zoomed in on that little red LED readout that was counting down the minutes of how long they had Uh, before the bomb is going to explode. That's a good director for you because they they want to show you how much longer you've got before everything ends. And I remember this one guy went in to disarm the bomb and save everybody on the ship. And he had a pair of little wire cutters and he, he dismantled the cover on the bomb and he's looking in there at all the wires and trying to figure it out and he finally narrowed it down to a red wire and a blue wire. And I remember as a kid, the images of this movie still imprinted in in my mind and I remember the beads of sweat that they showed on his head and I remember the other people looking in and watching and little babies were crying and women were you know, getting all nervous and trying to huddle their families around and and the seconds were ticking down. It was like nine, eight, seven and he had to make a decision. Do I cut the red one or do I cut the blue one? And he he put the... uh, the wire cutters on the red wire and he closed his eyes and it was counting down five, four, three and he was about to cut it and at the last second he switched over to the blue one and snipped it and it stopped with two seconds to go and everyone was saved. I'll never forget that as a kid. You know, you and I hopefully will never have to disarm a bomb and face that kind of fearful decision But you know, the thing is, there's never a week that goes by in our lives that there's not plenty in life to become fearful about. This world offers us more than our fair share of things to get anxious about and things to be fearful about. I mean, you you can't turn on the news anymore without seeing terror and earthquakes and floods and uh, hurricanes and wars. And there's an awful lot in this life that we can become fearful about. 
But even in this business of making decisions, of deciding, does God want us to cut the red wire or the blue wire? Does He want us to go down this road or go down that road? How do I find His will? How in the world do I uh, get rid of all of this anxiety, this fear of making a wrong decision in trying to follow God's will and do the right thing? How can I know that peace in making decisions and in following God and doing what He wants me to do with my life? This sign today, peace, is one of the most important ones that we will talk about in this series of finding God's will. And before we look at what God's peace is, let's take a quick look at what God's peace is not. Two things. Number one, God's peace is not based on circumstances. It is not based on circumstances. You notice in John 14:27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm giving you peace, but I'm not giving you the kind of peace that the world can give you. I'm giving you my peace. Well, what would be a definition then of the the world's kind of peace so that we can make a distinction between the two and we can know for sure that the peace we're experiencing is God's peace and not the world's peace. What kind of peace does the world give? Well, the world's peace comes because everything looks good. God's peace comes regardless of how things look. The world's peace comes from circumstances. God's peace comes from the Holy Spirit. There's a big difference there. There's a huge difference. We could take the entire time this morning and just sort of dismantle that thought and spend uh, plenty of time looking into that. But basically... Uh, Just because things look good or may solve an immediate need in my life may give us a false sense of peace about something. But is it God's will? You see, the only kind of peace that the world can offer to you and to me is when things are going great in our life. I mean, think about this. And let's be honest. Let's not be too spiritual this morning, okay? If you had several million dollars in your bank account and if you were in perfect health and your entire family was in perfect health and your entire family, even the in-laws and outlaws, were all getting along. Y'all don't have outlaws in your family tree, do you? And uh, the job was going great and you were getting promotions one after the other and people were praising you and... The kids were happy and the dog was happy and the cars were running great and the house was paid for and the lawn was mowed and everything was just perfect. Would you not have a little more peace than perhaps you do today? Now be honest. Yeah. 
I mean, we'd probably be a little more relaxed about things than maybe we are today. But where is that peace coming from? And will that peace still be there when the bank account is empty and when your health is gone and when the kids rebel and when the dog bites you and gets fleas and when your mother-in-law moves in and you know when the cars break down will that peace still be there tell me church will it no it won't we've all experienced that we've all had those can i say rare moments in life when everything just seems to be going perfectly you ever have those rare moments no <laughs> i've had them a time or two you know when you just go wow this is this is a nice place to be and things are going so great, but what happens when all that is gone? Is the peace still there? You see, that's the kind of peace that the world can give. That's the only kind of peace that it can give. It's based on circumstances. It's based on circumstances. But I want to tell you, just because things look good, or just because your needs are being met, does not mean that you're experiencing God's peace and His leading in your life God's peace comes despite despite the circumstances how about Stephen in Acts chapter 7 and 8 when he was being stoned to death for his faith in Christ I've seen one stoning victim in my life in Africa and I want to tell you it's a, it's a horrible horrible thing to see stoning is an awful way to die and there was Stephen, Stephen being pummeled to death by rocks, dying slowly, blow by blow. Do you remember what the Bible said about his face as he was being stoned to death? How his face glowed with joy and peace? Even to the point where he said, Father, do not lay this sin against their charge. That's an example of peace despite the circumstances. Paul and Silas were thrown into the jail in Philippi in the lower part of the dungeon there at midnight and they were singing songs of praise despite their circumstances. You remember Jesus on the boat with His disciples. A storm arose so fierce that these veteran fishermen were fearing for their lives. Where was Jesus? He was asleep in the boat, totally at peace despite the circumstances. Write this down. God's peace is not a feeling, but a spiritual state of rest. It's not a feeling. Man, I tell you, my feelings come and go. We talked about feelings many months ago, how we have to be so careful. My feelings come and go. God's peace is not a feeling. It is a spiritual state of rest. Secondly, God's peace is not always logical. If you are trying to find God's will for your life and you are basing it on logic, I want to tell you, you're going you're to run some dead-end roads. God's peace is not always logical in human terms. I've told you before that the call of God seldom makes sense. 
I know that's real encouraging and uplifting news, but I'm telling you, that's the way God works. God's calls seldom make sense in human terms. God asked a man named Noah to build an ark, a really big ark, when it had never rained on the earth. Logical or illogical? Which was it? Illogical. It made no sense at all. And yet, you know what I love as I read that story? The Bible says Noah obeyed the Lord. I mean, he got his toolbox and he got started building that ark. It made no sense at all. God calling Moses, who had a stammering tongue apparently, was not a good speaker, to, and who was a murderer, by the way, throw that in, to go to the most powerful man in the land, Pharaoh, and stand before him and say, hey, dude, let my people go. Logical or illogical? Illogical. made no sense at all. Moses was not the right man for the job in the world's terms, yet God's call seldom makes sense. God sending Gideon to fight an army that the Bible says the people were like locusts. There were so many of them. And their camels outnumbered the sands of the seashore. Isn't that great? That's a little exaggeration there, you know. But that's how it looked to him. And God whittled Gideon's army down smaller and smaller and smaller until he only had 300 men. And then God said, Right, Gideon, now you're ready. Go, go get him. Sick him. You know? <laughs> logical or illogical? Illogical. Sending young David, a boy, to fight Goliath when Israel had thousands of fighting men who were sitting around on their duff, scared to death to go fight this one guy. God picked a teenage boy with a sling and a stone to go and fight and kill a giant. Totally illogical. I want to tell you that God's peace is not always logical. When you're trying to find His will, what He asks you to do will not always make sense. There will be many times when you will explain something to one of your friends that God has asked you to do and they will give you that deer-in-the-headlights look. Huh? You're going to do what now? And it won't make sense at all. One of the reasons that God's will, that His peace does not always make sense is, listen, because God can see things that you can't. God can see the end of the story while you and I are still slogging our way through chapter 1 and 2. You see, when my son Nick was a little younger, he used to love to play with Lego. He spent hours playing Lego. One of the things I noticed about Lego, you know, Lego is a lot more sophisticated now than it was when I was a kid. I had kept some of my older Lego for my son one day and I pulled it out maybe a year ago and gave it to Nick. You should have seen the look on his face. He was like, man, what is this from the Stone Age? <laughs> you know, you got, you got rectangles and that's pretty much it, you know? What are you supposed to build with this? And 
Lego nowadays, though, you, you really need an engineering degree almost to put the stuff together. One of the things I noticed about this Lego now is when you get the box and you look at the picture on the front of that box of the Starship Enterprise or whatever we're going to build with 18,000 pieces. By the way, if you've ever walked through your house in the middle of the night barefoot and stepped on Lego pieces, <laughs> I want to tell you. But one of the things that I noticed was it, it, when you look at this beautiful picture of this finished product on the front of the Lego box and you go, okay, we're going to make that. If you don't follow those instructions precisely in order, it'll never come out looking like that. If you just start grabbing pieces and going, okay, I think we'll put this here, we put this over here, it will never look like the picture. Why? Why did those people list all of those instructions for you and not just say, do it however you feel? Because they know what the finished product looks like. And they know what it takes to put the pieces together in a certain order in order to make that product come to life. It's the same way with God's leading in your life and my life. There are things that God will ask us to do, like putting small pieces of Lego together. And you, you look at this and you go, well, this doesn't make any sense. How is this going to fit into what we're trying to build? And yet God says, listen, trust me, I know what the finished product looks like. If you'll just follow me, just follow my directions, I promise you'll see this beautiful product at the end. Folks, it's the same way in your life and mine. Exactly the same way. It's so easy for us to, to want to only do what is logical. Only what makes sense. Well, I don't think that piece should go there, Nick. I don't... Dad, just do it. When, when our family was finished with our work in South Africa and we returned home to the States many years ago, we thought our work in South Africa was done. One of the reasons we left there was because of death threats against especially my father, but then uh, started with our family as well because of some literature my dad had written about communism. And we uh, moved back here to the States. I was a teenager, and uh, we were going along with our life here. And I remember at the breakfast table one morning, the phone rang. My dad answered the phone, and... Uh, we uh, we began to sort of quiet down and we knew that something was wrong. Uh, and I saw my dad struggling to fight back the tears. And then he said, yes, yes, we'll pray about that. And he hung up the phone. And he shared the news with us that his partner in the mission where we had worked in South Africa had just been murdered while taking a station wagon load of Bibles across to Mozambique to share with the underground church there. And uh, Pastor uh, Diaz was his name. He was a great man, a great man. And he had just been murdered. And, oh, by the way, the director of the mission asked my father if he would return to take Pastor Diaz's place. Well, he shared that news with us, and I remember looking around at my mom and dad going, we're not going, are we? I said, son, I don't know. Well, of course, we ended up going. 
and taking his place. And you know, God used the second half of our ministry in South Africa to accomplish far more than he ever did in the first half. But we were walking straight into the face of a totally illogical call. It made absolutely no sense. Why would we want to return to a place where our former partner had just been killed? It made no sense at all. And yet it was God's call and we saw His hand on that in very powerful ways. So I want to tell you this morning, God's peace is not based on circumstances. And God's peace is not always logical. It's not always logical. I want to close very quickly this morning by telling you how to know God's peace. The first thing is that we need to know that peace is the fruit of yielding to the Holy Spirit's control in my life. It's a very important statement. Galatians 5:22 and 23 of course we all know as the passage that talks about the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace and so on. Peace is the third one. The fruit of the spirit is peace. What is that telling you and I? It's telling us that no matter how hard I try, I cannot generate peace in my life. I cannot generate genuine God's peace in my life. Jesus said he would give us his peace. Not our peace. We must understand that peace will come as we yield ourselves to to the Holy Spirit's control and leading in our lives. Peace will be a natural byproduct of yielding to the Holy Spirit's leading. If I'm in a tough situation and trying to discern God's will, I cannot read enough positive thinking books to give me God's peace about that situation. Do you know that? Nothing wrong with positive thinking books, I guess. I'd rather be around a positive person than a negative person. There's there's no amount of um, motivational seminars that I can go to that will generate God's peace in my life. Peace is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that grows naturally in my life as I yield myself to God and follow His leading. Secondly, peace comes from keeping my eyes on God, not on my circumstances. The verse that we read this morning, Isaiah 26.3, says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is what? Stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. How in the world do we keep our minds on God? I mean, seriously. You know, a lot of times in the church we use these spiritual cliches and we're so used to saying them that we don't even stop and think that maybe somebody doesn't know how to do that. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Fine. How do I keep my mind on God? In practical terms, how do we do that? Well, Psalm 119, 165 gives us a little more of a clue to that. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing will cause them to stumble. One of the ways that you and Romans 12, 1 and 2 is another one that just came to mind about renewing your mind on the right things. One of the ways that you and I can 
keep our minds stayed, I love that old English word, stayed upon God is by spending time in His Word, getting to know Him. And as we read His Word and His Word becomes a part of our life and rumbles over and over again in our mind, it will give us the peace that can only come from keeping our minds on Christ and not on the circumstances. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 are verses we've talked about before. One of the phrases in there says, So let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Him. Isn't it so easy, folks, when circumstances surround us to take our eyes off the circumstance, off of God, and put them on the trouble at hand? Guys, I think, maybe especially have a hard time with this. I shouldn't speak for all guys, but I tell you, I do. Because there's something that's built into men that says, we can fix this. Now let me grab my screwdriver and my hammer and my pliers, and that's pretty much all the tools I have. Uh, but I can probably fix it you know, if I try. And so when we're in a situation where the circumstances are not right, and there's trouble all around, the first thing we want to do is say, I can fix that, right? Let me tinker with it long enough and I can work this out and I can fix it. The Bible says we need to not look at the circumstances, not at the problems, the difficulties, the decisions that we're faced with. We need to look to God. You know, if David was running out there to fight Goliath and he was concerned about the size of that giant, he would have been in trouble. But David didn't look at the size of the giant. He looked at the size of his God. And that made all the difference in the world and gave him the victory. Peter stepped out of that boat and went walking towards the Lord on the water. And as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord and looked at the wind and the waves, he began to sink. We do not need to look at the circumstances. We need to look at God. And finally... Peace comes through prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and then what will happen? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Folks, if you are facing decisions, trying to discern God's leading in your life, what He wants you to do, you need to be spending time in prayer, asking Him for direction, asking Him for peace, and He will give it to you. Again, peace, like the Holy Spirit's voice that we talked about last week, is one of those things that is very, very difficult to put into English. The old country preacher said, some things are better felt than telt. You ever heard that? Some things are better felt than felt. And, and I'll tell you, when we talk about God's peace, it's something that we really need to be on the lookout for as we try to follow God. Listen, if you're faced with a decision today in your life, should I go here? Should I go there? Should I do this? Should I do that? God, what do you want me to do? One of the things that you need to be listening for louder than anything else is God's peace. Am I at rest with this decision or am I trying to make it happen? Am I at rest? Do I have that peace 
that surpasses all understanding, all logic, all circumstances, the peace that just settles into me and says, yes, this is right. This is the way. Walk in it. I cannot define peace for you precisely, but I'll tell you, you'll know it. You'll know it. It's just that quiet state of spiritual rest with God. And you'll know it. Be on the lookout for peace when you're following God's will. And if you don't have peace, don't proceed. Let's pray. Father, so many things in Your Word uh, cause us to just stop and stand in amazement at how you have orchestrated all of this, how you have worked all of this out and put the pieces together for our lives. And when we stop just long enough to think about the fact that when you were getting ready to leave your disciples and leave this earth, you made sure that you didn't just leave them with a bunch of instructions to follow, uh, a bunch of books to read, But Lord, you said, I'm leaving you with my peace. And we thank you for that, Father. I thank you that you give peace to us at times in our lives when there seems to be no peace and really ought to be no peace. And yet your peace can lift us above the circumstances and cause us to be at rest. I pray, Father, for anyone here today who is facing a decision trying to find your will in a big matter or a small matter. And I just ask, Father, you would give them the courage to wait until they have your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.